Good morning. Uh, alongside Dustin, I just want to welcome you as well. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, my name is Adam Young, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, this morning begins the season that we uh, in the Christian world called Advent. Uh, Advent comes from a Latin word, Adventus, which means uh, the coming or arrival. And in this season, we begin to turn our attention uh, as we approach Christmas to the coming or the arrival of Jesus uh, in his first coming. And, and it's a time to reflect and to remember uh, his first Advent, his first coming, his first arrival in humility. And it gives us an opportunity to think forward in anticipation of his second coming in glory. And so over the course of the next several weeks, as we are leading up to Christmas, we're going to talk about Jesus and his advent, his coming, his arrival. But it's not just enough that we talk about that Jesus came, but it's imperative that we talk about why Jesus came. And so what we're going to do over the coming weeks is we're going to do just that. We're going to talk about why Jesus came. And there's a number of ways that we could do that. The Bible certainly has a lot to say about why Jesus came. But we're going to use Jesus's own words in this series and looking at what Jesus had to say about why he came. And so if you'd like to follow along with us this morning, of course, if you brought a Bible, you're welcome to use that one. Or if you want to use a Bible underneath your seat or the one in front of you, or you can also follow along with us. In the Bible app, all the scriptures that we're going to talk about today are already laid out for you there. If you're a note taker and that's something that you enjoy, you can actually take notes in the Bible app. And so as we make observations, as we make points this morning, uh, you are welcome and encouraged to write those down as a way to reflect and to remember about uh, what it is that we talked about today as you think about it in the coming days or weeks ahead. Now, if you're a Christian in here today, I think what we're going to talk about this morning is going to be a great encouragement to you. We may look at certain aspects of why Jesus came and, and what that means that you haven't thought a lot about before and how it relates to your life and what you're going through today. Everybody who walks in these doors today, certainly, but every week, um, carries with them uh, a load of things from life. It may be stress that is, uh, often comes with the holidays. It may uh, be challenges that you're facing at work, at home. Um, we all carry different weights as we walk in here. And whatever weight that you feel like you're carrying this morning, I think what we're going to talk about today is going to be an encouragement to you. And if you're not a Christian today, maybe you're here uh, because someone drug you here. Maybe you're here because you're on a search and you're investigating I think today is going to be an encouragement to you because you're going to see a side of Jesus that makes him and what we believe and celebrate at Christmas as Christians different than any other religion in the world. And so to do that, we're going to jump into a story uh, in Mark chapter 10. So if you want to turn with me to Mark chapter 10, whether uh, whatever version of the Bible scripture that you're using this morning there's really one verse that I want to focus on, but we're going to read a handful of verses that kind of set up that one verse, and then we'll dive in to that one verse a little deeper. And so uh, you can follow along in your Bible or on the screen. We're going to start in verse 35 of Mark chapter 10. 
And this is what it says, starting in verse 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and James and John, if you don't know, are followers, disciples of Jesus, came up to him, that would be Jesus, and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Can you imagine the audacity to say that to Jesus? Uh, if you're a parent in here, I'm sure you've had your kids pull something similar uh, with you, like, hey, mom, hey, dad, um, will, will you just say yes to whatever I'm about to ask? If you're a parent in here, you would never agree to that, right? Because there is no telling what's coming after that question. The audacity that they had to ask Jesus, uh, <laughs> will you do whatever we ask of you? Uh, Jesus uh, has much more patience than any of us would. Uh, verse 36, and he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left hand in your glory. And Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? Their confidence never ceases to amaze. And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the 10 heard it, so that would be the other 10 disciples, they began to be indignant at James and at John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many." This is the verse that I want us to focus in on this morning. When we think about Advent, the coming or arrival of Jesus and why he came, in this instance, Jesus puts it this way. For even the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, as we focus in on this verse this morning, if you're familiar with the Bible, if you've been in church much in your life, this may be a verse that you're very familiar with. You might have been so familiar with it that when I said, hey, let's open up to Mark chapter 10, you knew exactly what verse we were aiming to get to this morning. But what I want to do is I want us to just look at this verse with a little more attention. Rather than just read it and move on, I want us to actually think about what it is that Jesus is communicating and saying to us about why he came. And so we're going to break it down into several parts and make some observations. And here's our first observation. That Jesus came to suffer like you. Jesus came to suffer like you. Now, when Jesus uses this term, the Son of Man, on one hand, he's referencing back to the Old Testament, the part of your Bible that was written before Jesus. 
in preparation for Jesus. And he's, he's reflecting back on an idea that comes from the Old Testament that speaks to what the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one will do and accomplish when he comes. But in a very real sense, when Jesus says this phrase, the son of man, he's reminding us about his humanity. He's reminding us of the place he took by coming, by his arrival. Paul, who is one of the early leaders of the Christian church, who met Jesus after he was resurrected from the grave, reflected on this reality in Philippians chapter 2. I want us to look at it briefly. Philippians chapter 2. Here's what Paul is going to say in verse 3 of the second chapter. He says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Seems exactly opposite of what James and John did in the Mark chapter 10 story. Let each of you look not to not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus came to suffer like you. Everyone in the world is on a journey of attempting to get to heaven. Now, not everybody agrees as to what heaven is or what it's like, and certainly not everyone agrees on the best or most efficient way or the way to get there. But everybody in this world is on a journey attempting to get to heaven, however it is that they define it. Yet Jesus left heaven to come here. He left where everyone is trying to go in order to come to a place that everyone is trying to leave. Jesus came to suffer like you. This is so important. I think when we think about Jesus, we often think about him as different than us, and rightly so, okay? There's clearly differences between Jesus and, and us. I think that's pretty easy for all of us to identify. You don't even have to know that much about Jesus to know how he's different than us, but different does not mean distant. Jesus is not distant from us. Are you hurting? Jesus hurt. Do you feel betrayed? 
Jesus was betrayed. Are you broken? Jesus was broken. Are you tired? Jesus was tired. Do you ever feel let down? Jesus was let down. Do you grieve? Jesus grieved. Do you ever cry out because you just can't take it anymore? Jesus, full of sorrow and pain, cried out to God in desperation. Jesus left heaven to come here. As Paul stated in that passage in Philippians that we were reading, that he emptied himself. That he took on the form of a servant. That he was born in the likeness of men. And then being found in human form, he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus came in the form of a servant, took on humanity and flesh so that he could suffer like you. So he could endure the sufferings that we go through in this world and life. Yeah, Jesus is different than us, but that doesn't mean he's distant. Because he knows what it's like to endure the things that you're enduring. He knows what it's like to carry the weight that you carried with you in here this morning. In the challenges and suffering that you face in life, you are not alone. And so Jesus came to suffer like you. What we also see in this verse is that Jesus came to die for you. This wasn't a surprise. This was unexpected. As a matter of fact, Jesus not only states it here, but routinely during his life told his followers that he had come to die. Jesus was born to die. And he reminded his followers regularly. They didn't always understand it. Sometimes they thought he was being figurative. Maybe he was telling another one of those parables that are sometimes hard to understand. They didn't always understand it, but Jesus told them over and over that I came to die. All we have to do, if we just back up a couple chapters in Mark and start moving forward toward chapter 10, we'll see it happen over and over and over. You can look at Mark chapter 8, verse 31. And he, Jesus, began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. If you just jump to the next chapter, Mark chapter 9, for he, Jesus, was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. Go Again, to now Mark chapter 10, even before uh, where we were reading earlier. We start in verse 35, but let's back up to verse 32. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. That would be Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed. And those who followed were afraid. 
And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was going to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. What's unique about the death of Jesus is that he knew it was coming. It was planned all along. It was a part of his purpose in coming. It's part of why he came. He came to die, to give his life. And rather than his death being the end of something, it was the beginning of something. Because his death was for a purpose. And in this verse in Mark 10:45, he clarifies even more what that purpose was. To be a ransom. Jesus came to suffer like you. Jesus came to die for you. And Jesus came to set you free. So what ransom did he pay exactly? The Bible has a lot to say about that. Here's just a few verses that quickly define some of the ransom that he paid. Romans 3.23 Lay the foundation for who all of us are and what we've done. That all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us are sinners. And here's why that's significant. In Romans 6.23, the Bible teaches us, for the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. Your sin requires a price. And that price is death. Because of your sin, you owe a debt. And that debt is payable on death. And Jesus, in his coming, his coming to die, paid that price for your sin and for mine. Jesus paid the price. He paid the price that we owe because of our sin that we couldn't pay. But a ransom isn't just about paying a bill. It's not just about paying something. A ransom also accomplishes something. Look at the beginning of that Romans 6 passage. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness, but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Because of sin, we became slaves to sin. So Jesus didn't just pay the price He set you free. The ransom that he paid wasn't just about paying a bill. It was about setting us free because as sinners, we are all slaves to sin. We're enslaved. We're captured by it. And Jesus paid that ransom to set us free. This is what the next verse says. 
But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. We've been set free from sin so that we can serve God. So Jesus came to suffer like you. Jesus came to die for you. Jesus came to set you free. And Jesus came to serve and to show us how to serve. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Remember what sparked this saying? We went back and we read sort of the beginning of this story in verse 35. It was an argument. It started with James and John trying to get Jesus to give them the highest place of privilege possible above all the other followers, all the other disciples. Jesus kindly told them that uh, he wasn't going to give them what they asked for. That wasn't his decision to make. He was going to leave that up to the Father. And the rest of the disciples got a little upset. Rightly so. Uh, you can imagine uh, if, uh, if you were one of them and James and John took it upon themselves to one, ask Jesus if he would just grant any wish that they had and then to make that wish about themselves. Their one request was, Lord, will you make us have the best seats, the highest places of honor? Will you honor us above all of our friends here? And when Jesus responded to their request, this is the statement he makes. And so Jesus came to serve and also to show us how to serve. That he should be a model for us and what it means to love and serve others. How we should see ourselves in light of other people. When Paul reflected on this humility of Jesus, that he left heaven to come to earth, that, that he chose to humble himself and take the form of a servant. Do you remember the beginning of that Philippians passage that we read earlier? Before Paul started reflecting on why Jesus came, he gave us a picture of how it impacts our lives, why it matters. He started that whole discussion by saying this, do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. The picture of Christ's humility should be a picture of our humility. Jesus taught the same to his disciples. On the night before he would go to the cross, where he would give his life as a ransom for you and I, where he would pay the death penalty and price on the cross that you and I owe, that he would pay our debt so that we could be set free from slavery to sin. On the night before he did all of that, he shared one final supper with his disciples. During that supper, as they were eating, Jesus got up. He took off his outer coat. 
He tied a towel around his waist. And then this is what John tells us happened next. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I, am going, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. After washing the disciples' feet, Jesus will go on to tell him, what you've seen me do to you, you're now to do to one another. The humility and servant attitude and mindset of Jesus is supposed to be reflected in us. Jesus came to serve and to show us how to serve. But when we think about what it means for Jesus to serve, I think this part of the story paints a beautiful picture. Peter initially didn't want Jesus to serve him. He didn't think it was appropriate that Jesus should humble himself and, and do this lowly task of washing their nasty feet. You can imagine how uncomfortable you would have been if during your Thanksgiving dinner on Thursday, someone, anyone, pick any person sitting at that table, adult table or kids table. I don't know if you guys do that thing, but anybody in, at any one of the tables while you were eating, if they had gotten up and taken off your shoes and socks in front of everyone and started wiping your feet, you would have been uncomfortable for multiple reasons. Peter was uncomfortable. He was like, no, Jesus, this is, this is not right. You should not be washing my feet. Jesus makes this interesting statement. What, what I'm doing now, you, you don't understand, but afterward you will. I've mentioned this before. I do not know why Peter or any of the other disciples didn't ask the question, after what? When Jesus said, you don't understand what I'm doing right now, but afterwards you will. I just said, after what? The reality was after his death and resurrection, they would understand the fullest significance of what happened in this moment. Jesus said to him, after Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. He said, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Peter, if you won't let me serve you, then you have no part in what I'm doing here. Jesus would say the same to you this morning. If you will not let him serve you, then you have no part in why he came. The reason that can be so hard to accept is because to accept him serving you is to accept the reality that you needed to be served. That you were incapable of providing for yourself what you needed. 
that you needed what he and he alone could do. It means that you accept that you're broken. It means that you accept that you're a sinner. It means that you accept that you owe a debt you cannot pay. To allow Jesus to serve you requires you to accept all of those things. Peter was having a hard time with it. Sometimes we do too. Because it goes against everything we're taught in our lives and in our cultures. To pull yourself up by your bootstraps. To just work harder. To do better. To be better. Just take care of it yourself. Be responsible. Jesus says, no, you're going to admit that you can't and you're going to let me do it. Jesus came to suffer like you. He understands everything that you go through. He may be different, but he is not distant. Jesus came to suffer like you. Jesus came to die for you. Jesus came to set you free. And Jesus came to serve you. And in order for you to allow him to serve you, you're going to have to humble yourself and admit that you need it. Admit that you can't carry the weight, you can't pay the debt, you can't solve the problem, but that you're in desperate need of him to do it. To the Christians in here, you're not alone. Whatever it is that you're enduring in life, whatever weight you carried with you in here, you're not alone and you don't have to carry it by yourself. If you're not a Christian in here this morning and you're searching and maybe you're one of those people who are trying to do everything you can to get yourself to heaven, this morning is an invitation to you that the way to heaven came. He left there to come here And he's the only way to get where you want to go. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this moment. Amidst all the craziness that this time of year brings, with travel and holiday planning, all the things to do, all the things to buy, everything to prepare for. Thank you that you give us this moment right now to focus on why this season exists. For us to think about not only your coming, but why you came. That you came to suffer. You came to die. You came to pay. And you came to serve. Lord, would you help us to be humble enough right now to accept it? I'm going to ask you to keep your eyes closed for a minute. We're going to enter into a time of response. And as a part of that response, for those of you who believe in Jesus 
who have allowed him to serve you by accepting what he did on the cross, by accepting his victorious resurrection three days later, by giving him your heart and life, we invite you to the table. The table where we take the bread and the cup that Jesus took on the night before he would go to the cross when he was at that supper with his disciples, the supper where he would wash their feet, when he took bread, he broke it as a symbol of his body broken for us. And he took a cup. It represents a new covenant with his blood, a new way that we relate to God in heaven by his blood. Jesus came to die for you, to serve you, to set you free. And that broken bread and that cup represent Jesus for you, his body for you, his life for you, so that you could be forgiven and that you could be set free. And so we invite you to the table. Lord, thank you. Thank you for giving your life for us. Thank you for suffering for us. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for paying the ransom and setting us free. Thank you for serving us. Lord, we humbly accept what you have done for us. The reason why you came. Lord, be honored by the way in which we respond to you this morning through worship, through prayer, through what we think, and by taking of the bread and the cup to honor your sacrifice. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.